Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by the Hagen Oaks Golf Super Shop, America's most awarded golf facility. Nature Wood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. Welcome in. Thanks for listening. This is the Golf to Go Radio Hour. This is Sacktown Sports 1140. Hello, everyone. I'm Frank LaRosa, along with uh, my buddy Scott Marsh. Scott, how are you this, uh, this fine day? Frank, I'm doing great. How are you? You know, uh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited about this uh, this program we have coming up with uh, with Judy Rankin. But uh, I'm also excited as I kind of look at the weather and think maybe we're going to have a little break here pretty soon, and maybe get back out and play a little bit of golf uh, because uh, I think you and I played. Uh, where did we play? About a week ago at uh, at Bartley Cavanaugh, I guess, and that's the first time you'd been out in a very very long time. And boy, you played you played really well for for having that long layoff. Well, thank you. You know, I, I, when your expectations are low, I guess it's okay. You know, <laughs> they go out there and hit it. All right. Um, but it was such a beautiful day out there too. We got, we got so lucky. So I'm looking forward to, to better weather. And of course we're in the midst of a, a three day weekend here. So uh, that always makes it nice. And uh, yeah, it's time to start playing some more golf. I agree. Uh, Judy Rankin was, uh, I had seen a, a press release come across my desk about the fact that uh, that the PGA was giving her a Lifetime Achievement Award for journalism, which which I found uh, fascinating and and uh, actually made a, a couple of uh, emails or a couple of calls. And and uh, turns out we were able to to get her for the show. And uh, I was I was really excited about uh, about talking to her because um you know, she was there sort of at the beginning, uh, you know, I guess a, a bit after the beginning of the LPGA. I think she said, uh, you know, the only person that she never actually got to meet was Babe uh, Zaharias. And so, <laughs> I mean, there's there's certainly an icon, but but that means that uh, that she either met or played with all the others. And, you know, what a what a long and uh, incredible list that was as well. But um you know, when, I suppose when you think about Judy Scott, you you have to think about the fact that she, you know, icon is maybe overused, but uh, but she is in in so many ways. Uh, you know, she won twenty six times on tour. She started when she was seventeen years old. I mean, what a what a, what a jump that has got to be to go from high school to the uh, professional tour. Of course, as as she points out, uh, the the tour was so much different in those days, and. You know the the money winnings uh, were nowhere near what they are today, and and many would say that even today, that the LPGA is probably underpaid. But um, but uh, you know she had a successful career, winning twenty six times, retired in nineteen eighty three. I think maybe some health issues um, uh, kind of forced her to do that. But um, you know she she had a pretty good resume along the way. Oh, she had a great career, you know, two-time LPGA Player of the Year, you know, winning a couple of LPGA championships. And I always love it when somebody can be at the highest level in, in two different careers. And, you know, she took her her golf career and transcended it into a, a, a great career as a broadcaster, you know, with ESPN and ABC. You know, she's the lead analyst for the Golf Channel uh, for LPGA. And I always enjoyed watching her learn so much from her about the game. And, uh, you know, I think this this is going to be a really interesting interview. And I, I always love people who pioneer in sports, too. And I give her a lot of credit for breaking through at a time where it wasn't as easy to in, in broadcast for women. 
Absolutely right. And um, she is quick to point out, you know, the ones that helped her along the way. And, you know, I think she's probably pretty proud of the fact that uh, there's, uh, you know, there's a whole list of women that uh, that have been able to, well, you know, maybe she broke that ceiling that, that you know, now, uh, you know, the, the uh, Dottie Peppers of the world uh, have come yeah. along and, and apparently they have a, a very good relationship as well. So, you're absolutely right. You know, those that were there at the beginning have some incredible stories and some of which uh, <laughs> she didn't necessarily want to share, you know, on the air. But, uh, you know, but, but we did have some fun conversations. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great interview. And, you know, Dottie Pepper was just recently recognized, too. She won the Tom Morse Award that's given by the superintendents. Um, and that was a very moving moment during the AT&T Pro-Am when, uh, they they gave her that prop on TV with Jim Nance. And, uh, you know, I just it, it's great to see. It, it really is great to see some of our, our great voices, uh, female in the game of golf, get so recognized. But you just mentioned uh, great voices, which uh, reminded me that I saw a piece today that uh, Vern Lundquist is going to call his 40th Masters and uh, and retire. I mean, there's. You know, uh, he, he, there's I wouldn't say he's a household name, but but boy, Vern has really has put in the work in all kinds of sports over the years and certainly famous for that. Uh, yes, sir. Call uh, on the Masters so many years ago. Uh, he, You know, it's it's sad to see them see them go uh, because tradition and memories and all that stuff goes with it. But uh, but boy, you talk about someone that deserves a break after 40 years. That's that's pretty good. No, he was the voice of the SEC for so long with football. And, of course, one of the great voices of the Masters. You're right, that yes, sir, in 86 with uh, Nicholas and that putt that brought him back to win that tournament at age 46. And then, of course, you can't forget he was also at 16 when Tiger Woods hit that most incredible chip of all time that just kind of snaked its way back in and, and fell through after the Nike symbol was up for about 25 seconds. That that was uh that that ball sitting on the edge of the hole is is a memory that's emblazoned in my mind. You 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 kind of watch that in your mind and and you go, no, it's not going to go in. Yes, it's <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty remarkable. You know, it absolutely uh, was, and you know, we're not that far from the Masters. You that's know? true, and um, the unofficial uh, kickoff of the golf season. So uh, the the good weather is out there. It, it, it's it's in our futures. It's coming. Yeah, you know, I mentioned that uh, the Judy was uh, given the uh, 2024 PGA of America Lifetime Achievement Award in journalism. Uh, the PGA of America president uh, John Lindert uh, said Judy Rankin is truly an icon in the game of golf. Following a remarkable playing career, Judy has delivered insightful commentary as a broadcaster for nearly four decades. She's made an everlasting impact on the broadcast industry as she paved the way for countless women to follow in her footsteps on behalf of the PGA of America. I congratulate Judy for an unrivaled broadcasting career and this well-deserved recognition. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that, uh, that are, you know, really Judy Rankin fans. And I certainly hope that after this, uh, this conversation that we had, that uh, our listeners will be as well. Yeah, no, they're going to be in for a real treat and learn a lot about, uh, her career and, and everything that she's done. So I'm looking forward to this. That's part of the fun about, uh, about doing this show, uh, Scott, you know, we, we certainly try to keep people up on what things are happening locally, but uh, 
when we get the opportunity to talk to someone like Judy or, you know, the, the folks we've had on the show, um, you know, the, the, the heroes and, and the villains, I guess, along the way, it, 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 uh, it, it's what makes the show fun. So, well, it's uh, great when you can have somebody on for such a long form too, you know, like a chance to get her for the full show. That that's pretty rare. And uh, let's talk uh, a little less about the full show and talk a little bit more about Judy Rankin. So let's get back to this uh, conversation with Judy right after these messages coming up on the Golf to Go Radio Hour. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa on Sacktown Sports. Now, Judy Rankin is our guest. She's an icon in the game of golf with uh, 26 career LPGA victories. She retired in 1983, but during that time, she managed to be LPGA Player of the Year in 1976 and 77, also leading the tour in uh, money winnings. She won the VAR-A Trophy three times, a member of the Texas Golf Hall of Fame, awarded the Patty Berg Award and the PGA of America's First Lady of Golf Award. She's a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame and was recognized as one of the LPGA's top 50 players and teachers. And to top it off, she captained two victorious Solheim Cup teams. And much of this she accomplished while in her second whole new career in broadcasting. Welcome, Judy Rankin. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm tired after hearing that, but I sure am lucky to have done it all. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you where you found some Judy time and all of that. That's that's a pretty impressive uh, career there. Yeah, well, um, I did and we did. And uh, uh, my husband and I raised a son who's a nice, productive guy. And um, uh, it's... Uh, uh, via golf, um, everything in my life has been a little bit better. You know, it's it's a sport that uh, we all kind of uh, feel that we get some benefits from. Yours, obviously, um, magnified. That let's let's get back to the beginning. Um, how did you get into golf, and uh, what was it about the sport that attracted you? <laughs> I think the sport attracted my father. Ah, and uh, and my father was uh, very much a Ben Hogan fan. So uh, it was, you know, a lot of your listeners won't be old enough to know this, but there was a time when lights on a driving range were brand new. And in St. Louis, my dad, who was kind of a mid 80s shooter, and he got to play public courses, not very often, really. Um, he had Patty Berg Woods, and, uh, you know, he could break 90. That's about how good my dad was. So uh, my mo my mother and I had gone with him. I was six years old to watch him hit balls at this driving range. It was brand new, had lights and a batting cage, and it was a big deal. And um, as six-year-olds are likely to do, I wanted to try to hit the ball. And he let me, and it turned out I kind of could. And that was the beginning of my playing golf because he then decided he would um, teach me. <clears throat> and... Um, Teach me, he did, along with a golf pro in St. Louis, whose name was Bob Green. And uh, they built a really, really good golf swing for me when I was about eight years old. And I think it's gone downhill from there. But uh, <laughs> but that's how I got started. And it was, honest to gosh, it was my dad's passion. And uh, there's funny things that happen in lives. Uh, at the time, my mother was sick and she was getting sicker. She had a malignant brain tumor. And she had several surgeries and she became paralyzed on her left side. And um, she passed away when I was 11, but you know, she was uh, an invalid all those years. And so my dad, he quit playing golf altogether. 
and he would just spend his time watching me or carrying my bag or something. And um, he, <coughs> excuse me, he was a bit of a taskmaster, but um, uh, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad for all of it. And it, you know, it went on from there. I, I won my very first thing when I was seven years old. And I don't know, it was just a gift, a blessing, because I am honest to gosh, and the caddies always laugh at me, but I am actually not an athlete. <laughs> I was a golfer. And and those days might be gone. Maybe golfers don't exist anymore because I think today's golfers really are athletes. So you you turned professional at 17. I mean, uh, you know, most kids just getting out of high school at that time thinking about, uh, you know, life and how, uh, you know, what 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 bold challenges there are out there. And here you at 17, are a professional golfer. What? Stars in your eyes, the you know, um, lights in your eyes. Was it uh, you know a car coming? Lights in your eyes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the train was. I was laying on the tracks, and the train was coming, and I was saying everything will be okay. No, um, I actually had an opportunity from a golf club company, for the old First Flight Company, which became eventually the Arnold Palmer Company, um, and they wanted to. Uh, give me a little money weekly to play the tour and people wouldn't believe how much that money was, but it was $150 a week. <laughs> um, and we were of less than modest means at that time. My, my dad had, my mom had passed away of course. And a few years later, my dad married a woman with four children. And so, uh, we were a little bit of a circus and we like to say the marriage didn't last, but we kids did. <laughs> and we've all been really close ever since. Cause I was the only child of my mom. And, um, you know, I, I, I envisioned the Brady bunch. It doesn't always work that way. Right. Uh, but, uh, we kids have, we kids have, uh, stayed close all our lives. And, um, uh, so there was, you know, big blessing that came out of it. And my, my brother came out of that marriage. So um, I don't know, things were not easy. I had that opportunity and uh, maybe, maybe we thought I was a little better than I was. Maybe my dad thought that, maybe people thought that, but so I got out there that year I was 17. I played nine tournaments. It was, the whole really trying to be an adult thing was, overwhelming to me. And um, the last tournament I played was in Las Vegas, which was really overwhelming to me as a 17 year old. And um, I went home and I didn't go back until the late spring the next year when I was 18 and then I stuck. Mm. And then I stuck and I started being able to earn a living and um, all those things. It was very hard for me. I had all kinds of opportunities, but it was very hard for me to win for the first time. And um, I finally was married and had a baby boy when I won for the first time. So uh, then it went from there. And 26 uh, uh, LPGA Tour victories later um, and the World Golf Hall of Fame and top 50 LPGA players. Uh, that has to, you know, just make your mind uh, jump up and down and, and, and sideways as well, trying to... Uh, 
trying to put that all in its place but, uh, of all of those incredible accomplishments. And, and in my introduction, there is an awful lot that, that I left out just certainly for time, but uh, does, does anything in particular kind of um, stand out and give you a warm feeling about, uh, wow, that was pretty good. Uh, well, I don't think there's any doubt that the world golf hall of fame um, is an awe inspiring um experience for somebody who played golf for a living um and uh so you know i'm um there's a lot of gratitude um for being um included amongst those people i think it's interesting because of the era that i came from i wasn't in the beginning um but i have almost known I have known so many, many, many great players, uh, male and female. Uh, about the only female player that I did not know was Babe. Mm. Uh, Babe died actually in the same year that my mother died. So, um, but I know almost every great female player right up to today. And um, in the world of men's golf, I knew many of the many of the great players probably. You know, initially in somebody like Bob Rosberg's era, but actually some before that, because I was friendly with Byron Nelson. Wow. And uh, just things that, you know, my son and I have sat on the couch before watching a golf tournament or whatever and kind of just laughed a little bit at the things I've gotten to do and the people that I've gotten to know. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know, and I don't know in what other endeavor, unless you were some big uh, musical star, that you meet these kind of people and that you become friends with them and that you um, have something in common. So you know, they be, they become uh, really interesting friendships, um, or I maybe not always a friendship, but really interesting acquaintances. So. Um, the World Golf Hall of Fame to me represents all of those kind of people. And that I would be part of that was pretty, pretty awe-inspiring to me, I guess. And with the LPGA, the thing that, the thing that I hang on to, because nobody's ever going to break it, <laughs> is I was the first woman to win $100,000 in a season. And in men's golf, that was Arnold. Sure. So Arnold, 10 years, I think it was approximately 10 years prior to me you know, did it. Um, so uh, I hang on to that one because nobody can take it away. He was, uh, he was pretty remarkable. What was your relationship with him like? Uh, just friendly. And um, I, you know, I saw him from time to time over the years. And um, uh, I'm out in um, La Quinta, California right now. And um, the, I guess this is the last place I ever interviewed him because he was watching his grandson, Sam, uh, playing what was the old Hope Classic. So uh, Arnold was following him in a cart and um, we had a kind of a fun little interview. Uh, but anything really and truly, uh, I guess one of the reasons people were drawn to him so much is I, in my experience, um, and then watching from afar, have we ever seen him in a bad mood ever? <laughs> no. And uh what a gift that is to be that kind of personality and to make other people smile. 
just to just to be with him yeah and and you in a room with a hundred other people you felt like he was the only you were the only one he was looking at that was a remarkable gift he had uh, of, of all of the the people you know you speak of byron nelson and and rossberg and palmer and nicholas and um and and your you your ability to or your opportunity to uh to interview them is there anyone that just kind of really surprised you you went wow i, I didn't expect that at all uh, well, I can tell you a little bit about Jack Nicholas, which is um, I barely knew him, um, but I, I did know him and um, Barbara. Uh, but he started uh, working um, with ABC Sports when we were, um, well, some years ago anyway, in the 90s, we were doing the Open Championship every year. And, um, but he worked a few other U.S. Opens and things of that nature with us. And um, I always I always felt a little funny, like maybe Jack didn't think I should be there or whatever. And yet I was a pretty accepted part of the bunch, you know, the group. So, um, but behind the scenes, we would smile a little bit that Jack sometimes just didn't seem to recognize me, you know, and... Um, and and he, it, it, so we were, um, I, I think we were in Boston, uh, one of the years that Curtis Strange won. Uh, I think that's correct. I'm not sure. Um, I think so. But anyway, Jack, for the first time, um, I was out with Sandy Lyle. And um, I was talking about this two iron that he hit off the 18th tee. And Jack actually talked to me and called me by name. And it's so funny because, you know, the kids in the truck and all that, they mark the date down and all that. So, but, but the funny part about this is as time goes on, Jack and I are really good friends. And um, I was named to the board that he has, the captain's club at the Memorial Tournament. And I've been there now for quite a number of years. And, um, and I see, I, I think the world of Jack. And I see him completely differently. And um, one of the things that I've said continually about Jack Nicholas and Barbara um, is they have found the key to aging gracefully. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of want to, you know, follow in their footsteps. And I'm not, I'm behind, but I'm not way far behind. So, uh, but that I have... Uh, it's one of the, it's, it is a friendship I, tre I treasure. I really do. And uh, uh, there's just no doubt he is. It's a shame more people don't get to know him really well. But I think in this, in this last decade, more people have gotten to know him well and more people have gotten to know about his heart and all those things with everything he does for children's hospitals and, and all that. So, uh, that it's kind of a long story, but it's kind of a funny story because it it started out real, you know, standoffish. And I just love to see the guy and give him a hug. <laughs> That's great. We'll be back with more with Judy Rankin right after these messages. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa on Sacktown Sports. Uh, you, you joined ABC Sports in 1984 and... Um, as a non-course commentator, and, and here you are breaking a ceiling. You were the first full-time woman um, 
that had to be a, a, a challenge in itself. Um, I was really, uh, I, the first tournament I did was the women's open. And I was pretty scared because I was at a point in time in my life after playing poorly at the end of my career and then dealing with back issues and back surgery. I, I was not a very confident person and um, it was very hard for me to stand up in front of people and talk. In fact, I, I had come to a time when I almost couldn't. And um, when I worked at the Women's Open, I, I was lucky because I only had to answer questions. You know, the on-course commentator then didn't have a very big role. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was not on camera. And I always count that as how I got, how I got started in television because I didn't have to look in the camera. <laughs> but the following year in 85, I worked my first men's open. And uh, that was a whole new experience for me and whole, all, completely new nerves and everything. And uh, anyway, somehow I survived it. They say I was timid, but um, I thank ABC Sports, you know, all the time for letting me find my way. I think sometimes in television, um, if you get too much instruction, you freeze and you you can't be yourself. So uh, anyway, it all worked out uh, much to my um, <laughs> happiness and uh, much to uh, much to my joy as to where it's taken me. And and to our delight as viewers as well. Um, there were a couple of names that. Um, one you mentioned already that uh, were, uh, you know, pretty important in your life at that point, uh, Bob Rosberg and, and Jack Whitaker. Tell me a little bit about them. Uh, well, Rossi and I had been friends for a while. Um, and, uh, and Rossi and my husband were friends and we would see each other out here in California in the winters, not the winters per se, but at that time we had a, child in school so you know over Christmas holidays and things like that and period once in a great while Rossi would try to help me um, particularly putting one day he wanted at, at Mission Hills at the Dinosaur I had had a horrific day putting and I had hit the ball so well and I was so frustrated and he wanted me to change putters this was a funny you know Rossi was pretty plain spoken and he said um, so I'm on the putting green with him and I've just hit the ball like a million bucks and I had, don't laugh, I had 40 putts. I mean, it was like the, the yips. It wasn't the yips, but it was like the yips. And Rossi is wanting me to try a different putter. And I said, well, I can't change putters in the middle of a tournament. And he said, are you nuts? You just had 40 putts, you know? <laughs> so that's the kind of help Rossi would give you. And, um, uh, but regardless, he, he helped me a lot and he was, you know, he's, he would so be remembered as the old curmudgeon, um, because of the way he, uh, talked and carried himself. But, you know, he was in my estimation, maybe the first liberated man, because he really didn't care if you were white, green, purple, or a woman, if you could do the job. Yeah. And um, and he really, really helped me in the television world. 
And, and what an iconic phrase that always goes through my mind when I watch television. What's he got there, Rossi? You know? <laughs> and, yeah, and he says he's got no shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack Whitaker was a help uh, in your interviewing. Um, you know, I, I actually sought yeah. him out. Um, what was happening was you, uh, maybe your, your listeners can imagine this, but so you have this headset on. And you're hearing the commentary, and in the other ear, you're hearing the producer. And um, I would have been out on the golf course most of the day with a guy, and I'm going to interview him after the round. And I really, I do know what made the difference in the round. What were the key things? I, I have, I know what to talk to him about. And um, so. I would do that. And while I was doing that, and while he was answering me, the producer would be in my ear and he'd be telling me something he wants me to ask the guy. Well, as a result, Frank, I never knew what the guy said to me. So you're like have this blank stare and you ask this question out of the blue. Yeah. You know? And um, so I went to Jack Whitaker and I said, Jack, help me to be a better interviewer because it's, it ought to be fun, and it's not. And he, first of all, he's so wonderful at it, and he's so wonderful with words. Uh, but he said, have your first question ready, which is easy. I'm going up the 18th hole, and I'm thinking, you know, what do I, what's going to get him interested in this interview? And, you know, what happened on the golf course that mattered? So I'm ready with that. And then he said, your next question should always come from something he said. Well, I never heard what he said. And I had to go to the producer and say, um, I need to hear what these people are answering to me because you're talking in my ear and I don't hear them. And I have this, you know, dumb looking blank stare because I don't know what he said. And um, he Realized it, agreed with me, and we went on from there, and it got so much better, so much better. Um, so um, I can tell you, though, and you probably know this too, but when the when the producer says in your ear, wrap it up, don't ask another question. You need to wrap it up because there's a reason, yeah. and they really get aggravated with you if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure you have plenty of stories, uh, you know, starting that career as well. And, and as you finish, but, but today, looking back, when you think about, uh, the difference you made, uh, and, and the people that, um, you know, that were inspired by you that are, that are doing it today, that, that has to give you kind of a warm feeling as well. Well, very much so. It's, it's, it is nice to see women accept it as, um, fair rep representatives of men's golf. Um, and uh, we've talked a lot about men's golf, but women's golf too. Women's golf has come to a place um, where the, the talent is so extreme, um, just extraordinary to those of us who played all those years ago. And um, I, I continually urge people to see them play in person um, because I think your perspective changes um, immediately when you see how these women play. But um, in, in women's golf, in men's golf, and um, I like to kid that my real claim to fame is Dottie Pepper because I took her to TV for the first time thinking, 
think she could do this. Mm. And it was a U.S. amateur, and uh, she proved she could do it, and uh, she proves it every day. <laughs> she is remarkable. Um, you had quite a span in your career. You were there for uh, Tiger's first Open Championship, and uh, you covered uh, uh, your friend Jack Nicholas's final round at St. Andrews as well. That's That's kind of a couple of really exciting bookends there. Yeah, I think uh, some of the most extraordinary things that I've gotten to do were at the Open Championship. And um, uh, Tiger, over some years, um, were extraordinary times. Uh, I was with him almost the whole week in 2000 when he won at St. Andrews. Um, and I did have that last walk with Jack Nicholas, which um, I found that that's part of my respect for him because I knew people really respected him. Uh, and, and, you know, that's clear and everybody should, but walking with him that day, they really love him over there. Mm -hmm. And at every single hole, he had a standing ovation and that, you know, gives you chills a little bit and how he even continued to play. I don't know, but, um, it was, uh, it was something to witness, and um, I'm happy I got to. I'm talking with uh, Judy Rankin, uh, former LPGA player and uh, and broadcaster. Judy, uh, you just won the uh, PGA's Lifetime Achievement Award for journalism. That that had to make you feel good as well. Oh my gosh! I just uh, the fact that it's for journalism that that I guess forty years in TV. Um, meant a little more than I just knew a little bit about golf. And I, I so appreciate that. Um, you know, sometimes in the role I've had or the different roles I've had in TV, uh, you do share opinions. And, uh, and those opinions need to be honest. Uh, they don't necessarily, you know, have to be cruel or harmful, but they have to be honest. And you have to find a way to do that. And uh, aside from that, every now and then you have a very serious story um, that that you have to cover and you have to find a way to communicate that to people once again without um, harming anybody. So I, I feel like a golf commentator. <laughs> Maybe you should be a tiny bit like a doctor where you, you know, you tell the truth, but you do no harm. Mm. And um, uh that's what I always, uh, I think I tried to do was say it was awful when it was awful, um, but always recognizing it's a hard game, you know? So uh, maybe that's been kind of what I thought. Maybe I have communicated that to people. And, and I think any time uh, communication is your, is your role, um, I don't know that I would have necessarily called it journalism, but I'm really grateful that they call it journalism. And I, uh, uh, I, I was blown away when they called me. I really was. I thought all that was finished for me. Well, congratulations. Apparently not. We'll be back with more with Judy Rankin right after these messages. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa on Sacktown Sports. that inspires you or, or did inspire you or continues to? Oh boy. Um, 
You know, I think with age or, and I don't mean just this age, but the last 20 years of my life, I've been, I've really become interested in just people in general, other people and what they do well and some of the extraordinary things that they do well. And sometimes when you're, you can't help it when you're a golfer um, and when your talent or what you're able to do with a golf ball or a golf club um, makes you competitive or people like to watch it or whatever. In the world of much bigger things, it doesn't seem like much to you. You, you just wonder, I mean, I guess, I don't know if people in every sport feel that way, but when you think of people who are doing things like, you know, sending someone to the moon or people who are concert pianists around the world, you know, those kind of things. I, I've learned to really appreciate everything people do where they've either been blessed with a gift um, or probably blessed with a gift and worked hard. Um, and, and then the other side of the coin is there's a lot of people who work hard and they were not necessarily gifted. And so I, I think what I've learned in my older age is I generally really like people. <laughs> and um, when I was competitive and playing, I don't think you were able to exude that, you know? And so that I, I think getting, I think knowing people and being nice to people and having people be so nice to you, that's uh, that's kind of the end of the road now for me and how I'm inspired and um, oh, I, I was with a friend and we were having a, we were driving from Dallas to home to West Texas and we kept having this tire issue, stopped at a gas station and um, this guy said, well, go over there. You see that sign that says tires? They'll fix it. <clears throat> well, this sign was on a big board and they had, you know, written it with paint and it was, <laughs> you know, not the place you thought you'd pull into, but I need it this tire fix and get in there. And I mean, the two crustiest old guys you ever saw. And I'm thinking, I hope, you know, this is okay. <laughs> and by the time we left there, they were the nicest two people uh, you could ever imagine. And um, I was just, I was thinking to myself then, you just, you know, you, you gotta give everybody a chance because um, you'd like to sit and have a Coke with these guys. They were funny and fun and nice. So people, that's, that's who I'm inspired by. And you don't have to be extraordinary. You just have to be nice. We all do have a story. And that's certainly something you've learned uh, interviewing people over the years. Uh, those little surprises that come out, uh, you know, are, are always kind of fun. Is there anything that, uh, that we, we would be surprised about to learn about you? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, I think probably most people know this, but I have three grandchildren, 22, 21, and 11. And I very recently have a great grandson who's just three months old. And, um, and that's uh, having a baby in the family again is, is pretty fun. And, uh, and you know, you, you hope before they're born that everything comes out well. And he just came out um, with all fingers and all toes and he seems really perfect and you're just grateful because shoot I look around and see the things that don't work out so well yeah yeah so that's uh that's me and 
The other thing they might not know about me is for off and on 20 years, 15 for sure, I really didn't play golf. I might have had my hands on a club three times a year or something. And I am trying hard to learn how to play again. Just where I can play nine holes and like the way I hit the golf ball. I know it's not going to go very far, um, but I want it to feel good and feel solid and for my own amusement. Um, so they, they would probably laugh to know that I'm trying to learn to play the game again, and I do know it's a hard game. <laughs> Another thing you and Jack Nicholas have in common, he doesn't play much anymore as well. Uh, I, I don't want to take much more of your time, but uh, just tell me what you're feeling the state of the game is at this point. Well, I, I, I must say I'm sad that it ever had the split that it's had in the PGA Tour world <clears throat> and live. Um. There have been some concerns for the LPGA Tour in that regard because money is not nearly as, the uh, money doesn't flow on the LPGA Tour like it does on the PGA Tour. And if somebody came in and tried to do a similar thing there, I don't know what would happen. Um, I, I think there's great loyalty to the LPGA Tour, but um, that that kind of, any kind of serious money would be a, completely different picture that has not happened and um, um, maybe not I think the LPGA you know financially continues to grow I think they're at a hundred and ten million dollar purse um, this year total purse when I won the hundred thousand dollars was um, I'm not sure the year I won the hundred thousand but in the 70s in the mid 70s there four hundred thousand dollars so Big difference. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, the LPGA is certainly prospering. Um, I don't think the split is good for golf, even though they're they always find a way to say why why it is good. Um, to me, the whole thing has happened because of other sports, other sports, and fantastical amounts of money. Um, Greg Norman and whomever saw that that didn't match up in golf. And uh, they, they looked for a way to try to make that match up and that was pretty enticing. So I don't know, but I, I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know how a pitcher gets $250 million a year. Right. You know, I, I don't know how that works. That it's the kind of money I can't compute. Um, but I do think that was the driving force. And I think that's why um, a lot of guys that maybe surprised us, maybe didn't surprise us, left the PGA Tour. And the only way, I'm, believe me, I'm an older woman. The only way I can see they ever recoup any of this money is if gambling on that team aspect and so on becomes huge. And I, I don't see any other way they yeah. that they ever recoup or profit. And and I guess they I apparently profit is not the issue here. But somewhere along the line, people don't spend money just to pour it down the drain. So you tell me, because I I I'd like to know what everybody thinks. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we'd be very smart if we did. Um, and and you're right, it is it is very sad and, and it's going to take a while to uh, to wring it all out. And uh, all we can do is is hope that um, that some of the traditions and and, um, you know, things that you exhibited in your career, you know, continue to uh, to be there at the base of the game and, and make it uh, the game that uh, that we as as amateurs uh, expect it to be. And yes. so uh, we appreciate everything you've done to to kind of uh, set set the tone there. Well, um, thank you. I, uh, I, I don't, I have no idea had it not been for golf where my life would have ended up. Uh, no idea, but um, I know that I've been extremely lucky because of golf. And because I had that, connection i guess the gift of being able to hit the ball for a time and um and then the gift of television because i um i tell people all the time you know television is the reason you know me curtis strange always kids me and he said you know nobody even knows you played (laughs) (laughs) so anyway it's all okay and i'm uh, uh i'm just glad and uh i think it's taken me a little while in these last years. My husband's gone now 12 years and um, it's taken me a little while to uh, not not be happy again, because that's all right, I, I am. But all of a sudden I see that I have a few years left to be productive. And um, like I said, maybe learn to play golf again. <laughs> and But, but to enjoy uh, the, so many nice things that I'm around and that have happened. So Judy, when you, when you think about all the, uh, all the time, all the people, all the different experiences between uh, professional golf and, and broadcasting. Um, and I suppose if you, if you started thinking about it, <laughs> you might not get anything done, but, but if, if, if you kind of, you know, let your mind wander a little bit, what, you know, when you, when you sit down with your cup of coffee and you just go, aha, what kind of pops into your mind? Uh, my dad said one nice thing to me before he was gone. We, I was sitting, um, I was sitting with him, watching Corey Pavin win the U.S. Open at Shinnecock, and I was telling him a little bit. Of, I guess maybe I was doing commentary for him. I don't know what I was doing, uh, but. Um, uh, he said, you know, I think you played golf for me. I think television was for you. And uh, to some degree, that's fair and true. And so I always say, you know, in golf, you both are elated and you cry quite a lot. Um, I really haven't cried very often in television. And so <laughs> it's been a, been a happy experience. How do you think, um, you know, we, we, we have no control over it, but um, if, if, if you had your say, how would you like to be remembered? Um, just that, that I tried my best and for the, uh, for the times in golf when people saw me as being too serious or too hard on myself or whatever, whatever, um, it feels like, I had 40 years to make up for all that in television because I was able to talk to people along the ropes and uh, 
take joy in a lot of other people's abilities. Um, so uh, I, I would like people to know that I feel very fortunate and I've had a great ride. Well, as you know, as as someone that um, wasn't sure she wanted to do it when she got into television and was scared to talk to people. And, you know, it's not unlike Ken Venturi and his stuttering. And you both went on to be incredible uh, people at your craft and and people that uh, that that people want to get to know. And I, I really appreciate you kind of taking the time to uh you know, to talk to me and talk to our audience today and, and let us know a little bit more about Judy Rankin and and um, and and why we should all be thankful that that you had your turn. Uh, well, thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I've, I've enjoyed talking to you. And, um, uh, you know, I did have my turn and there's some pretty good people having a turn right now. <laughs> Indeed. That's what makes the world go around. Judy Rankin, thank you so much for being with us on the Golf to Go Radio Hour. Thank you.